Thank you, thank you. How you guys all doing? Good? You ready for this morning? Some of you survived the flood over the weekend, and those with kids had a few extra coffees just to get through. Keeping the kids inside, I, I, I feel your pain if you were like that. But we got there. Hey, um, I want to get into it because it might take a little bit of time this morning, so I don't want to hold you up too long. I know where you guys have to go and do. So let's just pray and we'll just get into it. So Father, we just thank you for this morning. God, that we can be here, Lord, and I thank you for every individual that is on a journey with you. And, um, and God, I just I pray that out of this morning, Father, that we would go out of this place just knowing that we are moving forward towards you and what you've called each of us here in this place to do with our lives. And I just pray that you give them guidance, everyone here, Father. Bless them and continue just to help them on their journey, Father. And our weaknesses, Lord, that you would be our strength. And our pitfalls, God, just lift us up. And in our journey, God, just be the head and be all that we need. And Father, I just ask today, you help us to keep our eyes on you in the midst of all that we're doing, Lord. In your awesome, powerful name. Amen. Hey, um, a couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege of just talking about us as a church. And, and it was really, I really loved just talking about the early church and just the power that the early church had with unity. And the fact that the early church, even to the extent that they would sell their land and possessions to help each other, that the early church was all about supporting the people within it. And they had this amazing power of unity. And this morning, I kind of want to look into it in a different aspect, but more so our journey. And there's one key thing that I really think that helped to the unity of the church. And the fact that the early church had their eyes set on one thing, that they had their eyes on the goal. They knew where their destination was, so therefore they ran together in unity. It was this culture of cheer and not tear, where everyone was in it together. We had this opportunity to serve each other, help each other, and go for the things that God has for us as one, as a family. Um, we had this awesome little chit-chat at home. Who here goes to a home group? Can I? Not many. Um, any more than that? Is there many people that go to home groups? A couple, yeah. You should be proud of it. Home groups are an awesome thing, and I, I know everyone's busy, but if you do get the opportunity and you can get away for a night sometimes, home groups are an awesome thing just to be able to do journey and do life with each other, where you can discuss what you're going through, you can discuss, get into the Word a little bit deeper, just get into the things of God in a, just a different way. And so I encourage you, if you can get an opportunity, do it. Get into a home group. It's a good thing. But anyway, we were talking in home group, and, and in home group, you can be a little bit real. And so we threw out the question of, have anyone, or has anyone been hurt or been, how do you say, just been disillusioned or just gone through stuff in their life that has just kind of thrown them a little bit with church? And it was really interesting that 95% of the people within the home group said, hey, yeah, I've had disappointments. I've had things that haven't gone the way I expected, or I've had a disagreement, or I've had this or a hurt from someone in the church or something in the church. And then the question came forward as to, well, why do you guys still go? And I loved hearing everyone's thoughts about why they go to church. And there's a common theme that came through, and everyone said in some way or another that they need each other. 
there was this common agreement that everyone needed someone else along the way. And it was such power and togetherness. You see, for them, it was more about the body of believers than it was about what was going on up the front. You see, everyone here without realizing it is church to someone else here this morning. You may think that we are sitting here just watching what's going on up here, but without realizing it, we are actually church to someone else in this building today. And as we talked about it, there's this really challenge of our thought pattern of what is church? And when we come to church, what are we focusing on? And with our disappointments and disagreements sometimes and all these kind of things that come with it, we kind of came to the conclusion that when we walk into church, I really think that God wants us to maybe take our eyes off the stage. And when we walk in, to put our eyes on each other. That here is a beautiful opportunity this morning to be together with other believers, to sharpen each other, to help each other, to be in this together, that when we come together, there's such power in that. And when we walk into church, instead of sometimes just looking at what's going on up here, that we could see what's going on right next to us. And that we would be church to each other, and others would be church to us. This morning, I want to look at Paul's little description and his little take on the journey. And he switches it and he describes it as a race this morning. And so I want to kind of just dive into this a little bit. And Hebrews 12 verse 1, if you have it, turn to it. And it says this, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Paul's like, hey, we are on a race. We are on a journey together. And he's like, we need to get rid of stuff that's going to slow us down. If we're struggling with stuff, we need to make an effort to get past it, to push it off so that we can run freely for all that God has for our life. The sin that so easily entangles and let us run with endurance. This long jeopardy, this long run that is placed before us, the race that is marked out for us. I love it in verse 2, he goes straight into it. And like any race, you guys got to know where you're going. There's massive power in knowing your direction. There's no point in running a race if you don't know where you're actually going. And Paul straight away says, hold on. Firstly, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. That part of our destination and part of our goal as Christians, we need to make sure we set our eyes on Christ along the way. See, if we lose track of our destination, we'll find ourselves somewhere we're not supposed to be. We'll find ourselves maybe back in the same seat in a couple of years with nothing changed. There's such power in knowing where you're actually going and making an effort to go towards the finish. 
Paul says, therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. My question this morning is, is are you intentional about where you're going? Have you actually thought about what is your direction with your faith and your walk and your journey? Who here has partners who get off task? No one's putting their hand. Oh, yeah. There's a couple. I feel for you, Mum. I feel for you. I know what it's like. Don tried to lift up Penny's hand, but we all know the truth, don't we? We know it's the other way around. Anyway, I was thinking about this and this whole idea of getting off task. And, and I, I think it's like there's so many times in my life that my wife asked me to do a job. Okay? Perfect husband. Get up. Go do it. I'm a good guy. Say, so off I go. And I'll generally be going off to do this job. And I don't know what happens. It may happen to some of you guys here. But you go off to do the job. Like, I was comfy on my couch. I was doing whatever I was doing. I leave what I'm doing to go do this job. And about half an hour later, I get this, I ask you to go do this. And I'm like, oh. But I actually did go to do it. And then, and then you're in trouble. And I'm like, I actually got up to go do it. But somewhere along the way, something must have hit my brain or something just... Maybe if it was a job that was going to take a little bit of time, my brain just switched off quick. But something went wrong along the way, and I ended up being distracted and not completing what I was told to do. I know you guys think I'm the only one, but my wife actually does it too. So I'm going to share because I don't want to just be the bad guy here. I have this problem when I go shopping. Okay? So we, whenever we go shopping together... I always ask my wife straight away, I was like, what do we need? Tell me what we need first. And so she'll say, look, we really need to just jump into the shop because we need to get some uh, jersey for the kids because they've got no winter jerseys. And I'm like, that's all we need? I remind her. And she's always like, yes, that's what we need. And I'm like, cool, let's go. And I'm, I'm a guy on a mission. It's just how I work. So I'm like straight into that shop. I'm like, yep, let's do it. And I'm walking along, heading to the kids section, and bam, I turn around and she's gone. And I'm always like, and I find her again, and I'm like, what are you doing? The jerseys are over here. She's like, oh, but I really need some pants. And I'm like, we talked about this at the start. I am here to get a jersey. You admitted that's all we need. But, and then they convince you that they really needed it. They've only got a certain amount of pairs and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, well, why didn't you tell me at the start? I would have, I would have had it. But it's this distraction along the way that can so often take us off course. See, if we're not, <laughs> yeah, there's a few people in the same boat. My wife just walked in. She has no idea what went down, so that's good. I was just telling them how I get off course sometimes. I just saw her. I'm all right. She'd probably admit it, maybe. Um, but anyway, if we're not intentional about where we're going... Along our journey, we will get distracted by things. And the same goes for us in church life. The same goes for us in the world. If we're not intentional about where God's called us and what God's plan is for us as individuals in our journey, we, without realizing it, will get distracted over things that we weren't supposed to be distracted by. 
You see, one of the greatest keys to the early church's unity was the fact they knew where they were going. They had everything in common and the fact that they all knew what their destination was. They all knew that together they could see people saved, that together they could see their church just become something of just a light to the world, and they knew what their purpose was of the Great Commission. Therefore, they all had their eyes set on the purpose and the goal. Therefore, they ran in unity rather than watching and getting distracted by everything else. You see, when we remind ourselves of the destination, it allows us not to get pulled from side to side all the time. I'm a, I'm a fan, not a fan of it, but life has potholes. Life has dips. Life has hills. If your life is amazing, then I need to pray that God will switch us sometimes. Because from my journey over the years, I found that it hasn't been all smooth sailing. That along the way, we get hit with stuff. The world throws curveballs at us. We find ourselves in situations that we didn't plan or see coming. And this is where we need to realize and remember where we're actually going. Katie came and spoke. Katie Boom, the booms are a good sort. Katie came and spoke at youth the other day, and she shared this little example, and she said, hey, a plane will set its destination. Say if it's going to South America or somewhere, I'm, I'm hopeless at my uh, geography or whatever it is. Um, I have no idea if it gets off course where it'll end up. But anyway, it says they head off and they set their destination at the start, just like most of us with our walk with God. We set our destination. We know straight away we give our hearts to God. We're willing to give up, and we're going to serve Him and go for Him with everything we have. And we set our course, and a plane, without realizing it, gets so off course, and the pilot constantly is having to pull it back to its destination. They set destination at the start, then the winds of life will come. The plane will constantly get off track and will end up in a completely different destination if it's not constantly realigned with where it was supposed to go. And the same thing is so true with us. If we're not constant and actually pinpointing it, going, hey, this is where I'm going, I need to remind myself, we will end up off course and we could find ourselves back in the same place, not moving anywhere that God has actually called us to move. We have to be intentional about moving in the right direction. Paul says, and let us run with endurance the race set before us. It's this constant long journey that God is calling us to always realign and pull ourselves back to the goal. Whenever I hear that word endurance and running, I, I constantly think of long-distance running. Anyone else here not a fan of it? Thank you. There's a few of us. A few of us. I, I, just, I put it down to that I'm just not gifted at it. I'll just say, I've, and as I've got older, I've got less gifted at it. And that's just, that's just part of it. But I was never good at long-distance running. I was never going to win. That was not my talent. 
My parents don't know this, but... <laughs> hey, what are they going to do? Come up and give me a smack? <laughs> I think I'm all right. They like, can't ground me anymore or anything. So anyway, I managed... Oh, intentionally, I knew where I was going. I never completed or competed properly in a cross-country in all my high school years. I'm not going to give my tips out to those that hate running as much as I did, okay? It's pretty bad, I know, but I spoke about judging the other week, so all those people that were just judging me then, you have to just stay quiet, okay? But I was not into running full stop. I loved a little bit of adrenaline. I could be keen with a, someone throwing a ball around, I would play. But if you told me to run for an hour and all I see is scenery and I can't chit-chat and have fun, I just, nah, why would I do that? That is not what I was created for. You see, I was never going to win when it came to long-distance running. And Paul in 1 Corinthians 9.24 says, Run in such a way that you may win. This long journey of endurance that we may win. I want to just kind of share just a little thought with you in regards to the fact that we have bumps along the way. And that's part of reality. And that's part of being real. You see, the prize run in such a way. Winning is not about beating the other running runners when it comes to our spiritual race. It's not about the people next to you, about beating them and winning. You see, the prize is becoming a spiritual champion. This is what we run for. This is what we endure and move forward in. A spiritual champion is one sold out to Jesus. I love this. Moving to become more like him every day. The finish line of faith is a life that is more like Jesus today than it was yesterday. The goal is not just perfection, but progress. You see, if someone had told me in my journey of cross-country that I didn't have to run to win, that if I could have just got to the finish line, that I was doing the best that I could, I probably still wouldn't have done it, but I may have, a bit more, okay? But some days in my spiritual walk, I wake up, and I'm like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to conquer and smash this, this, this purpose that God's given me. And I'm just like, I'm going to push boundaries, and I'm going to do everything that God's called me to do today, and I'm just going to make ground and do damage for the kingdom. And then some days I wake up and go, man, God, you need to, you need to switch my life with someone else. Or, oh, man, God, I just... I need a rest today. I need, I need a rest. You see, we are called to keep moving forward. Never pulling out of the race. If you've had things that have hurt you, if you've had things that felt like they should disqualify you, can I tell you that the goal was to keep moving forward. It's an endurance race. It's about keeping our eyes on the finish. And the only way we'll ever get to the finish is if we keep moving forward. And I'm going I'm to say, there's going to be days where you can't run. 
But we have a God that will help us walk. We have a God that will always be there to help us move. See, time and time again, the Scriptures encourage us to persist and endure. The Apostle Paul prays, prays for the Colossians, May you be strengthened with all power for all endurance and patience. Paul reminded Timothy, if we endure, we also reign with him. Then the writer of Hebrews states, For you need endurance so that after you have done God's will, you may receive what the promise is. The challenge is to keep moving forward. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says this. It says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. As I said before, can I just remind you, it is okay to have seasons where you just need to walk. I don't want to be someone that tells you you have to run full spit the whole way. I'm, I'm, I understand that life can throw you things that can just do some damage to you. And I want to just remind you that God is a God of restoration. God is a God of restoring. He's a God that constantly is cheering us on. And what I'm trying to get at this morning is, if you are in that boat, if you've had stuff that's really damaged you, is to never stop moving. That we need to always be reminded of our goal and keep moving towards the finish. I want to look at Joshua this morning. And here you have a guy who, after, um, after wandering the desert for 40 years, they come to the, the promised land. And here they are, and he takes over, and the Israelites have been given this promise of this land, and they, they first come up against Jericho. And everyone knows the story of Jericho, and it's a massive, massive defeat, and the Israelites just take take charge of it, and it's a beautiful, beautiful story. And after that, you could imagine that Joshua is just, just absolutely pumped. He's just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. He would have been, momentum would have been the words that were coming through after they defeated Jericho. He would have just been absolutely on fire, and everything was going his way, and he's like, we're taking this. We've got this all sorted. Life is amazing. We're smashing through. We're pushing through. And they conquered Jericho. And next up is this little town called Ayah. And Ayah is so small and weak, no sense sending the whole army, just send a couple of thousand people. And here they are with this small place, and they are absolutely defeated and humiliated by Ayah. And here Joshua was just absolutely smashing through, got to the promised land. This is where God has promised them all these things. And all of a sudden, they get destroyed by this little place. And Joshua goes before God and he says, God, what has happened here? This isn't the way it was supposed to happen. After defeating Jericho, how do we lose to this little place? He carries on, he's like, I thought we were supposed to take possession of the land and we lost. I want to jump in in chapter 7, verse 6. Then Joshua tore his clothes 
and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. Both he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. Joshua said, O Lord God, why did you ever bring this people over the Jordan? Only to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. If only we had been willing to dwell beyond the Jordan, O Lord, what can I say since Israel has turned their back before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will fear of it, and they will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? Joshua has hit a massive bump in his journey. And he's full of despair, and he's full of, how could this ever happen to me? This was never part of the plan of serving you and walking along on this journey. And it says he had his head on the ground. And in verse 10, the Lord said to Joshua, the first thing that comes to him is get up. What are you doing down on your face? Get up. God's like, what are you doing on the ground? I understand your pain. I see what's going on in your life right now. And I see this defeat that's happened. But God looks to Joshua and says, hey, can I tell you something? You won't move or get anywhere if you stay lying on the ground. He says to Joshua, he says, get up. You need to face what's just happened. You need to deal with what's gone on. The question was, why is it that you have fallen on your face? Literally, the texts say, why are you falling on your face? The nature of the question carries a note of rebuke with a call for examination to get to the bottom of the problem. The cause of their failure, in effect, God is saying, in view of who I am, in view of my plan for Israel, in view of my goal, where I'm sending you, and my promise to you, what possible reason could you have for such despair? Here then, to Joshua, is the call to get his eyes back on God and keep moving forward. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. See, when Joshua realizes that God is still God, that he realizes that God still has a destination for him, and he realizes that he will not be or see all that God has called him to be and see if he stays on the ground, that he needs to get up, face And begin to move. I don't know if Joshua ran straight away. Maybe Joshua needed a few days to begin to grasp and get his his mind back and begin to walk. But the thing here is that Joshua began to move again. And you see later on in the passage that he conquers and carries on with the promises that God has for him. You see, sometimes people do damage in our lives. 
Sometimes we do damage to others. But we are never going to be any good if we don't get up and keep moving. One of the beautiful things about our journey and our faith is that we always have hope. We always have hope. There is always light at the end of the tunnel. And in our circumstances, and whatever life is thrown at you, we need to keep our eyes on Christ, the perfecter of our faith, and keep walking towards him. I want to read, just as I finish and the music team come, I want to read an old school poem that I've kind of had in my, in my stuff for years, and I love it. It's one of these, these things that's always sat with me. And I want to just read it this morning. And it says this, it says, Whenever I start to hang my head in front of failure's face, my downward fall is broken by the memory of a race. A child's race, young boys, young men, how I remember well. Excitement, sure, but also fear. It was not hard to tell. They all lined up so full of hope, each sought to win the race or tie for first. Or if not that, at least take second place. And fathers watched from off the side, each cheering for his own. And each child hoped to show his dad that he would be the one. The whistle blew and off they went, young hearts and hopes afire to win, to be the hero. That was each young child's desire, and one child in particular, whose dad was in the crowd, was running in the lead and thought my dad would be so proud. But as he sped down the field across a shallow dip, the child who thought to win lost his step and slipped, trying hard to catch himself, his hands flew out in brace. Amid the laughter of the crowd, the child fell on his face. So down he fell with lost hope, He couldn't win, not now, embarrassed, sad. He only wished to disappear somehow. But as he fell, his dad stood up and showed his anxious face. This child so clearly, to this child so clearly said, get up and win that race. He quickly rose, no damage done. Behind a bit, that's all. And off he ran with all his might to make up for his fall. So anxious to restore himself, to catch up and to win. His mind went faster than his legs. He slipped and fell again. He wished then that he had quit before, with only one disgrace. I'm hopeless as a runner now, I should not try to race. But in the laughing crowd, he searched and found his father's face. That steady look, that said again, get up, win that race. So up he jumped to try again, 10 yards behind the last. If I'm going to gain these yards, I'd have to, I've got to run real fast. Exerting everything he had, regaining eight, then 10, but trying hard to catch the lead, he slipped and fell again. Defeat, he lay there silently. A tear dropped from his eye. There is no sense in running anymore. Three strikes, I'm out, why try? The will to rise had disappeared. All hope had fled away. So far behind, so error prone, I'll never go all the way. I've lost, so what's the use, he thought. I'll live with my disgrace. But then he thought about his dad, who soon he would have to face. Get up, an echo sounded low. Get up and take your place. You weren't meant for failure here. Get up and win the race. Get up, it said. You have not lost it all, for winning is no more than this, to rise each time you fall. So up he rose to run once more, refusing to forfeit. He resolved that win or lose the race, at least he would not quit. So far behind the others now, the most he had ever been. So he gave it all he had and ran as though to win.
Three times he had fallen, stumbled. Three times he had rose again. Too far behind to hope to win, but he still ran to the end. They cheered the winning runner as they crossed the line first place. Head high, proud and happy. No falling, no disgrace. But when the falling youngster crossed the line last place, the crowd gave him the greatest cheer for finishing the race. And even though he came in last, with head bowed low, unproud, you would have thought he had won the race to listen to the crowd. And to his dad he sadly said, I did not do so well. To me you won, his father said, you rose each time you fell. Now whenever things seem dark and difficult to face, the memory of the child helps me in my race. For all of life is like this, ups and downs. And all in all you have to do to win is rise each time you fall. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Consider him so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This morning, I want to sing the, the first part of this verse of this song. And we just want to, if the, if the ministry team could come forward, if we could just all stand. And as the ministry team just comes forward, we want to just give this this opportunity this morning to to say, hey, you may have your struggles. You may be facing something that is giving you a, a good old slap on your direction. You are facing some winds that are just throwing you from side to side. Well, there might be people here this morning and you without realizing it are looking at your life and thinking, oh, where have I actually been going? Have I just been going round and in circles? Have I lost my destination? Have I lost where God has actually called me? That this morning, we would, we would love the opportunity just to pray with you. To just be able to say, hey, we understand that life throws curveballs. But our heart and our encouragement to you this morning is you got to keep moving. And your weaknesses and your struggles, the goal is to keep walking or to keep running, just to keep moving and setting our eyes on Christ, the perfecter of our faith. Father, we just thank you for this morning and Lord I just ask for every person in this place that God that we would run with endurance that if there are people here this morning that have had circumstances or things that may have hit them or blindsided them in life God I, I ask that they would see their destination in the midst of their struggles Lord that they would see you. Father, those also that may have been hurt by the church, hurt by people in the church, that God, that they wouldn't lose heart, 
of who you are, what your plan and your purpose is for them. And God, I ask that they would be able to run again. Lord, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you that you are here, that you are our hope in times of need. You are our strength when we most need it. God, I thank you for the race that is set before us. And I pray that every person here would have endurance to succeed, to see the prize. If you want prayer this morning, just as the worship team begins to sing this song, just come forward. We would love to pray with you this morning. And if there are people here that you don't know your destination, you don't know your plan, you don't know what God's got for you, then then this morning can I ask that you come forward as well? We would love to pray for you in this place. We would love to pray for you here to help you find where God has called you and to keep your eyes on the goal.